The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Why wish you become a podcaster? Well, mostly because of my father, I guess. Ah, father. Powerful host, was he? Powerful host. Oh, come on. How can you know my father? You don't even know who I am. Oh, I don't even know what I'm doing here. We're wasting our time. I cannot teach him. The boy has no comedic timing. He will learn comedic timing. Much anger in him. Like his father. Was I any different when you showed me the Dark Times podcast? Welcome back to the Dark Times podcast. It's the Dark Times podcast. We shouldn't get into the music business again. That was rough. I mean, do you remember the, the build theme? Build time theme? That was yeah. a good one. Yeah, I slaved over it for like an hour, like 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, fuck, what am I going to do? It was good. No one liked it, though. Yeah, well, because you, you really gave me like... You were like you handed me shit. And I don't know what you cl- expect. <laughs> Treat me like I'm some classically trained asshole. <laughs> yeah, you are classically trained. No, I'm not. Asshole. Don't tell the, the listeners I'm classically trained. You scruffy little asshole. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cut of uh, Vampire I want to see. Wasn't that Robot Chicken? Oh, does I don't know. Does might be. I don't know. Some, someone tell us if that was Robot Chicken or not. Steven, we got some feedback from last episode. We got some feedback from last episode. Do you think I'm ever just going to not repeat exactly what you just said? We can only hope, right? I can only hope. I can only, like, I can get you your wax wings, Icarus, but you got to learn to fly on your own. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Little Literalist mentioned that uh, Glitter Stim also causes paranoia. I don't know if we mentioned that last episode. Yeah, how do you roleplay paranoia? How do you Uh, game master paranoia? Bro, we have a player in in Zero Distance who roleplays paranoia fucking perfectly. I completely (laughs) forgot about Kitsch, the Rodian pilot. Oh who man! Absolutely believes everything is a conspiracy out to get him. He, That's he, how you do it. There you honestly. go. Yeah, the, he genuinely believes and acts out that every single little thing that happens is connected to a grand conspiracy against him. Uh, as much as I feel about um, gamifying mental illnesses, something like um, PTSD or anything like that, yeah, you could easily do you know plus ten against will defense. Uh, you cause about losing a losing your standard action or a move action. The uh, Clone Wars fan source book has a section on like uh, mental does. health. I do has, recall like, that mechanics behind. Like I like you said, I have my own thoughts about using that at my table, kind of along the lines of if that's for you, I won't. If that's but, <laughs> if that's worked for you and that's for you, then please, I want to hear if about it, it. If it's fun, fucking do it. Yeah. Please write in if if you've used this successfully. Uh, we also got an email from Doug. Do you want to read the email? Good old Doug, our first patron. Hey, Steve and Sam. Or is it Sam and Steven? It's Steven and Sam. (laughs) In our recent game, we faced off against an Inquisitor and their apprentice. The party quickly bloodied the apprentice. Master Negotiator and Force Stun dropped the apprentice down the track. Oh, hey, that reminds me of a couple things we have today. Unconscious. The apprentice gets pushed deep into a pit. Three seconds later, the party hears a splash. Whoa. The battle continues for another two rounds before the heroes clear the room. What happens next for the poor apprentice? Our Jedi wants to rescue and rehabilitate the misguided apprentice, but is it too late? Let's assume the apprentice landed in enough water to submerge them. The hold breath rules under Dern's check reads as follows. Hold breath. You can hold your breath for a number of rounds equal to your constitution score. 
After this period of time, you must succeed on a DC 10 endurance check to continue holding your breath. The DC increases by plus two per additional round. If you fail, you must breathe or you move down minus one step on the condition track. If you reach the bottom of the condition track, you fall unconscious. If you're still unable to breathe on your next turn after falling unconscious, you die. If the apprentice is already unconscious when they hit the water, does the last sentence of this paragraph automatically kick in? Do they get their con score in rounds first? They aren't out of hit points, but they also aren't actively taking and holding a deep breath. If the last sentence rules, does any unconscious character die in one round of submerging? I think this is a great question and a great email. Thank you, Doug. Yeah. What are uh, your thoughts, Sam? My thoughts are, so I've got a few things on this. At first I read it and I was like, hmm, technically, if you're unconscious due to force stun, you yeah. can't take reactions. Yeah. Uh, the An endurance skill check to hold your breath sounds like at least a reaction, if not a full action. Full yeah, action. it doesn't specify an, an action when you do this, probably because, well... It's implied you just do it as a free action. You just do it. But it is an action nonetheless, and you do have to be fucking conscious for that shit. That's that's fair. Um, yeah, I, I'm i kind of on two minds of this one. Um, on one hand, we already know what happens, like, realistically, if an unconscious person falls into a body of water. Uh, they're going to drown very yeah. quickly. Um, However, Stephen. Yes. You forget the uh, um, the free use of a force point to not die does not require an action at all. That's correct. It is That's simply true. through the will of the force that your character per- does not perish. And that was kind of on my other hand is that, you know, it's I always feel like that, that guy who brings up like realistic scenarios and, and limits in a heroic RPG. Um, I don't know. I feel like maybe you should attempt that DC 10 endurance check to try and continue holding your breath and also allow the use of force points. Well, so let me, survive. let me say something. Yeah. This is an, an non-player character who has yeah. been knocked into the water and unconscious. Uh, they're, they go unconscious the first round. Mm-hmm. They fall into the water in the same round, three seconds, not six seconds. Yeah. So they spend one round in the water and then after that, they're supposedly die. Yeah. They're only in combat for two extra rounds after they go fall unconscious. One round in the water, second round, force point to not die. I think the as of right now where the where this party is yeah. after that combat, I think it's still alive. I think I think he's still I alive. Still I alive. mean, this is the storytelling universe in which Darth Maul was chopped in half, fell down a huge shaft, and then like was totally fine <laughs> after a good long while <laughs> through the sheer through sheer hatred. Yeah, he's alive. <laughs> I think it, it's a more interesting story if the apprentice survives their drowning experience absolutely and, and gets, gets a redemption arc is always way exactly. better than death i mean you've seen the titanic a, a drowning experience is the perfect beginning to any redemption arc <laughs> so, um does leonardo dicaprio's character drown in the beginning of titanic and the you haven't seen the sequel titanic 2 titanic 2 to tie to nick <laughs> Doug, we hope that answers his question. <laughs> Ultimately, I think he should survive because it makes for a more interesting story. And honestly, as far as Star Wars goes, uh, I'm trying to answer the email. Can you shut your trap? <laughs> Titanic 2, Colossus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Fuck. yeah, jokes yeah, I- aside, hope that's helpful, Doug. If anyone has any other ideas, I- I'm sure someone out there knows the exact combination of rules text that tells us precisely what happens here. Go ahead and write in at that if you got it. On the other hand, um, I, I think we answered it pretty well. I mean, I, I feel good about both of our Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, either, I mean, 
the better story moment is that the Padawan lives yeah, or the, nice. the apprentice lives. And I think the way we've explained it, it kind of does work in system. Just yeah. rules is written. I don't know if rules are intended. Rules is intended. An unconscious person, a drowning person can't be revived. There is a revivify, but is there fucking straight up like first day CPR in I, Star Wars? Yeah, I think the medic has access to something like that. But yeah, anyway, good email. Thanks, Doug. Steven, this episode's all about uh, the force. And we, t- we were talking about. This is this has been a long time coming. We we're talking about like Jedi temples. Yeah, you you wanted to talk about Jedi temples as kind of like a storytelling device. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because so, like Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder have dungeons. Yeah, these sort and dungeons are a crucial part of the game. I feel like absolutely. at least for those systems, Star Wars has not necessarily dungeons, but like places strong in the Force. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we've talked about battle stations. Battle stations. I think maybe next yes. week we should cover we should battle stations. Cover, a cover more battle stations yeah. for sure. But uh, you're right. Uh, Jedi temples kind of play this the super important narrative role that that changes quite a bit depending on what flavor of Star Wars we're currently serving up in our soft serve machine. And it's funny because I think there's a totally difference between like the Jedi Temple on Coruscant versus the Jedi Temple on Lothal, which is immediately what I think of when I think of like Star Wars dungeons. Yes, Jedi Temple on Lothal. Literally, like Kanan fights uh, Jedi Temple guardians there. The Inquisitors get ambushed by force visions yes all sorts of shit there's also puzzles yeah, as puzzles. well there's a i remember ezra and, and kanan have to choose a path uh, set forth before them and it's not exactly obvious what to do i think ezra has a line about which one do i choose and kanan's like you'll know in the or something <laughs> cryptic and, and douchey from him per usual kanan's really the chad jedi he's like the stepdad jedi it's it's really funny he is, I, absolutely he's, he's all i love kanan because he's like of double standards yeah like the way sure. he handles the force versus how he lectures Teaches. oh well. yeah well absolutely i think him coming around and and realizing that's a big part of, yeah. of his development chad kanan versus the virgin obi-wan <laughs> oh no goes into hiding stays in hiding goes into hiding becomes page, a rebel <laughs> we lost another page um you know what's what's really funny i just finished rewatching rebels yeah. and um Me too. Uh, at the end of rebels we see uh harris and Dilla's child yeah yeah, and, we do. And also, right before Kanan dies, they finally tell each other they love them. Yeah. Which implies they were just having sex. <laughs> like, it was a will they, won't they for them both, but they were they were fucking. <laughs> I mean, okay, if so, that was a children's show. But I've experienced a couple different adult relationships that were of a comparable level of complexity. Uh, oh, another example of puzzles for Jedi Temples. Uh Sabine and Ezra deciphering the portal between the world for the world between worlds. Yes, indeed. I actually want to talk about the world between worlds. For those unfamiliar, this is a, a very important place discovered at the climax of, of Rebels. Uh, the two characters, t- titular Rebels, uh, Ezra and Sabine, uh, have to solve this puzzle, this mural uh, via art analysis. It's really cool because this is in, in the dead center of like the Thrawn arc, or I mean, like the last third. It's of a Thrawn arc, the Thrawn for sure. Arc. But yeah, like. It's cool because we get this awesome like foil moment from Sabine where she uses Thrawn's greatest strength because she herself is an artist uh, to decipher this puzzle and and ultimately save Ahsoka. Uh, The world between worlds is this dimension of the force. It's a magical realm where time is no longer linear. It's kind of this showcase, this veranda. 
I, I guess, yeah. of, of different moments in time. And and they're able to be manipulated. Ezra literally reaches into a portal and pulls Ahsoka uh, from, from, from the brink of death. Yes. And Emperor Palpatine does the yeah. opposite. <laughs> uh, yeah, Palpatine also accesses it through literally just a spell. Like, he's chanting I over think, a flaming cauldron. All right, so here's my thought about that. I what? think he can only, like, successfully do it because Ezra's inside yeah. the World Between Worlds. Absolutely. Like, I don't think it's accessible from the outside normally. Yeah, no, the, the World Between Worlds, and, and at the end of the this episode, or this this arc, it's destroyed. Yeah. The, the World Between Worlds, or at least that, that portal, portal to, to it. Yeah. Um, I, personally, I, I'm glad about that, because I... I Time travel in Star Wars makes me nervous. Yeah. Yeah, because saga, well, legacy, time is so important to be I, able to reverse that in Star Wars. I, I don't know. Well, okay. I like you're looking at it as like Star Wars as a whole yeah. and that your your adventure is a little, you know, pinprick in that whole of time. Of course. But I feel like I've seen games or I've heard about games that can deviate from the main Star Wars timeline in ways that are interesting and unexpected. Yeah. I think of uh, Star Wars Infinities, alternate yeah. universe comic series. Uh, you know, I'm smiling at you. Why? You, you know, to think of that one. Say, read my mind. What's what's the one scene I'm going to bring up? Uh, all white Darth Vader. <laughs> was that it? Caucasian Darth Vader was a, was a highlight. I was thinking of Yoda. Uh, bringing the Death Star to Coruscant to drop it on Palpatine's head. So it's already there. Oh, Yoda okay. sneaks onto the Death Star and uses the Force on Tarkin to get him to activate the Death Star on Coruscant. And then um, I think Vader or Palpatine like, stops at the last minute, and then Yoda just fucking crashes the, the Death Star into Coruscant. The most in-character <laughs> moment for Yoda ever, probably. <laughs> Yeah. Like, that's that ketamine, like, Toyota Corolla. <laughs> Yoda. Yeah. Well, I think it was, like... I think Luke died. Like something happened where like the the galaxy was doomed. And so Yoda was like, fuck it. I'll take it my own hands. Doomer Yoda. Doomer Yoda. Yoda. (laughs) Fuck it. It's all over anyway, Yoda. (laughs) Wish someone would understand me, Yoda. So like, let your, your players can change the course of Star Wars history. Yeah. And that's interesting in of itself. I I completely agree. I've heard, I've read a lot about campaigns online of, of the various interesting things. Like, oh, this campaign is if the Confederacy won and Dooku is installed as the prime minister of the, of the galaxy. Like, that's, that's cool. That's fucking cool. Um, I think you can do it tastefully. Didn't you have an arc in our Wyvern Squadrons game where there was like a portal that led to an alternate universe or something weird, some world between worlds kind of thing? Yes, I played around with a lot of that. Before I think it was there was a couple different. There were almost like like mirror worlds or like pocket dimensions. Yeah. There was, you had, there was Zeshkahet, who was the big bad, mm-hmm. and he had kind of a, a dipole equal that had to die before he could be killed. Because oh, of magic like, and, reasons. Oh, for like, they, they were linked, like, via the force or yeah, like a dyad. Was, a yeah, true dyad. They were a bit the of, of a dyad. I, I think that's kind of what I was going for. But yeah, he had a also evil, but relatively innocuous brother, kind yeah. of like tucked away in a pocket dimension. You guys had to go in there and kill him. Um, because they were born from like a two-headed snake, you you remember? It. Yeah, it was, some, it was some cool force god shit. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I mean, especially for like a first campaign, like fully written out, it was really cool. Thank you. Oh, this yeah. this sort of episode is really just kind of about using the force yeah, as story a storytelling crap. tool, and yeah, it's, it's stuff that we see in Star Wars canon that you can kind of take home to your mama and There's show Mortis. Her. Mortis, yes. Mortis happens in the Clone Wars and is kind of a super extended, like, quote-unquote, Jedi Temple segment. Um, I've got feelings on Mortis. Um, I think it's, so it's interesting, 
the way that they use Mortis to tell the story. The more time that goes on, the more I appreciate Mortis. Yeah. Um, when I first watched it as a kid, yeah, I was like, fuck this. Like, <laughs> shucks, isn't Star Wars? You don't like physical embodiments of the Force as a father and his two children, and then... I really don't. It's, like, <laughs> very heavy-handed. It is, Mortis is, oh, absolutely like, incredibly is. on the nose. And I know that's, like, duh. Cause it's better if you think about it as just that happening inside their minds. Yeah, like an extended vision. Like, yeah, I'm okay. Instead of being a physical that location too. that they can go to. But then, like, uh, Ahsoka literally, like, we get evil Ahsoka. Yeah. And it's like, I like, okay, <laughs> like, uh, there's so much here. Well, the only cool thing about it is Anakin sees the future and then yeah, turns cool. to the dark side early in order to prevent that future because yeah. he knows, like, Palpatine's evil. That's the only And then they, like. Obi-Wan saves him by erasing his memory. Or like, Sam Whitworth's there, though. Sam Wimber is there. Yes. Does he voice the brother? He voices the brother. Ah, it's so that's a cool character. Really cool character. Very Darth Malgus kind of. Yeah, vibe. I got real, real Darth Malgus. I guess vibes just from Sith, him. just love, just cool black armor. Hey, you know they, they've been doing it a while. <laughs> yeah, Mortis, I think, would work better at a TTRPG table than it does in a show. Oh, absolutely. Because when I DM, at least. I try to use very obvious, like, imagery. super loud imagery and archetypes because, you know, we're all at the table. No one's, uh, we're not actors. Yeah. We're not, like, genius literary creators. And I try to use these obvious archetypes that are kind of baked into our storytelling to make very obvious hints at what the party ought to do. And something. players love recognition. They love that exactly. sort of, like, oh, I, I understand that. I understand yeah. where that comes from. Yeah. And I can see that, oh, that means you're a good writer. <laughs> that's really what it comes down to, right? And see, that's and that's what I prefer at the table. A literal, like, angelic embodiment of the light side who's kind and a little frail in, in the sister. Was that her name? The yeah, sister. the sister. Yeah. yeah. That makes more sense to me when we're clicky-clacking rolling dice because it's easy to explain, easy to imagine. Um, as far uh, as Mortis is the TV show, man, I don't know. Can, can you, can, like, and then... That, and then, like, two seasons later, later, don't they bring in the Wills? Doesn't Yoda see the Wills? I think Yoda references the Wills. No, Yoda meets them, dude. Oh, are those the Wills? The, like, the like, yeah, they call themselves the Wills, I yeah. they were, like, the monks They're of the, straight up the Wills of the Force. No, because oh, they're, wow. they're not, like, physically there. Oh, they're just okay. physical. They're just the Force embodied see, in forms. That was, like, the last couple episodes of the original of the run. the original run, yeah, like, yeah, season I five. Actually, I actually kind of like those episodes better than Mortis. Oh yeah, but I don't really know why. The fact that both those things exist in the same universe is what makes it stupid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Although we have the nice, subtle kind of more the force as a a force, like not a truly physical embodiment. And then the force has three people who have their own wants. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Before a family fight. Oh, it's great because Yoda meets them and he thinks they're like these monks who are like training, and then they turn out to just be the force given form. Aren't they literally like incorporeal? Like they throw the robes off. Yeah. The robes robes disappear and they just. They're and, just gone. They and Qui-Gon's there, and he's like, like, <laughs> 10,000 fireflies? Like, <laughs> Qui-Gon has an Owl City moment. I don't yeah. know how... Uh, Yoda fights his evil, uh, like, goblin-y self. Oh, yeah, that was cool. I liked that. See, that? I, that's why I'm like... I like the Wills as a concept, and I think... Well, I think it was Dave Filoni's idea. It might be George Lucas's, like, The Wills are pure child. George Lucas, like, hackery. Um, yeah, he but Dave Filoni this- really... I think they were executed well. In yeah, I think David... As I call him, <laughs> took, took that idea and, and applied it in a way that made a lot more sense. And honestly, I think would also work well at the TTRPG table. That's honestly something I prefer a little more, like I said, subtle, um, incorporeal portrayal of, of the literal will of the force. Yeah. 
Um, it's fun. Jedi temples aren't the only place that can be used as these sort of dungeons. We've got uh, Luke fights Darth Vader on Dagobah. In That's the classic. Cave. That's our like archetypal, our first like archetypal Star Wars spiritual experience. Um, that scene went entirely over my head as a little baby child. Yeah. I was like, wait, why is Luke Darth Vader now? It makes no sense. But, you know, that scene is is powerful. It establishes the everything that Yoda's been trying to warn Luke about for the past, like, 20 minutes of yeah, film. Yeah, everything he fears about it also. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, oh, this is our little, I guess, I, I guess I'll just fit it in here, our trivia for the week. Um, oh, cool. They actually made a cast of Mark Hamill's head yep. for that. Yes, they did. But it didn't work. Oh. So they had to use Mark Hamill. <laughs> so what they did they is... They cut Mark Hamill's head off? <laughs> <laughs> There's a hole in the floor that they, he sticks his head up through, oh. and they do the little the explosive from the helmet coming off, and he has to not blink, stare at him the whole time. The But they have all the smoke effects going on, so he's complained about, like, he was like, yeah, that was the hardest thing to do, was to not blink during that whole filming sequence. Georgie put that poor boy through so much. <laughs> yeah, right. God damn. Yeah, the, all that, and he was still forced to sign on for three movies. <sighs> it's so wild when you think about Harrison Ford being like, yeah, I just want to do two, <laughs> and then being given, like, more money to do the third one, and then Mark Hamill and, and Carrie Fisher just being like, yeah, we'll do movies. <laughs> we all got, you know, different feelings about our work. Um, For sure. I want to know the sum of money they paid Harrison Ford to come back in The Force Awakens. Because oh, he said he would never come back unless it was Buku Bucks. And uh, I think sure it was, it was also Buku he Bucks. wouldn't come back un- explicitly unless yeah. they killed Han. Yeah, no, so he said he many could... times it was money. What I want to see is how death. they got him to come back for Rise of Skywalker, because that's where the fucking money is, uh, right? I f- always felt like that was spliced footage. From, from Force from, Awakens? From TV, yeah, from TV. I don't know. It was original dialogue, I thought. Uh, that's true. I know they pulled Unless a it was lot of, outtakes. It might have been I, outtakes. I think it might have been outtakes. I know they pulled a lot of fucking tricks to make Rise of Skywalker happen. <laughs> to oh, make Rise of Skywalker oh, release. Yeah, Ian right, yeah, McGregor man. talks about... Uh, oh, no, this is for, for, for Force Awakens. When, when Obi-Wan says, Ray, these are your first steps. Yeah. Uh, they pull uh, Alec yeah. Guinness's it's <laughs> Ray, yeah. and then they have Ian McGregor say, these are your first steps. It's kind of cool that it's... Alec Guinness and Ian McGregor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Weird and hacky, but also kind of cool. I think it could have been fine as just Ian McGregor. I don't think anyone would have noticed I I, Alec I Guinness's absence either. as the voice line. But yeah, yeah they, they pull it from, he talks about, I think it's from him talking about the Death Star. Yeah. And they just pull like Ray. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really funny. I think they did similar trickery with, um, at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Oh, when, of course. When they're all the Jedi. With are Liam like, Neeson and everything. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Isn't like Luminara in there too? Luminara's in there. Yeah, fucking everyone's in there. It's wild. <laughs> I am all the Jedi or whatever. Who knows? This is not a movie review podcast. So we're not going to get into no. This sorry, Rise yet another Skywalker. podcast complaining about sequel trilogy. <laughs> Definitely what the world needs. Yet another podcast complaining about sequel trilogy. That's the Yapcast. <laughs> the Yapcast. That might be a little too close to Yapcast. Um, we were on Dagobah. We were on Dagobah. Oh, yeah. Star Killer also met Yoda in the same cave on Dagobah. In the in the book for Force Unleashed, the, oh the Force Unleashed novelization. In the novelization oh man, when Star Killer meets Yoda, he is completely afraid of him. Of Yoda? Yeah, because oh. Star Killer has spent the last like as as soon as he lands on Dagobah, everything there wants to kill him, oh. and everything there is so alive with the Force, and so he meets. This small being who's like, how has it survived on this planet for so long? This little green frog dude. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to fuck with Yoda. (laughs) Yes. Honestly, that's like the smartest, most level headed reaction I think Starkiller's ever had. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Ray on Octo going in the hole, the mirror hole. I really like that scene. Yeah, you like that scene. Yeah, well, because it's so, I don't know, um, what's the word I'm looking? Nautical. 
Like yeah. there's muscles and it's wet and kind of dank and there's like seaweed and it's gross. I like that a lot. And then um, the mirror scene, I don't know, something about it was really compelling to me. It was cool up until they made it like not true in The Rise of Skywalker. Did they like, I don't know. Because never... in that mirror scene, she like learns that her oh. parents are nothing. And yeah, I, that's right. That, that's what nothing. I like. One of the cool things about Last Jedi, in my opinion, was that it, it kind of really emphasized this theme of like your legacy doesn't matter. You know, who you are yeah. is who you choose to be. Yeah, it was and also in, it was also like... It was also Rian Johnson being like, "This isn't. The, this is. Not, it's not the original trilogy. I swear. Yeah. It's not. She's not related. She's not related to Luke. She's not Luke's kid. Like here, <laughs> that, that, the message of of that story was really solidified for me when Ray saw her two parents, maybe coalesce into a single reflection of herself. I thought yeah. that was a little beautiful. She I was. Thought, she practically raised herself. Exactly. exactly. I, I thought it was a pretty artful and subtle choice for a major blockbuster Star Wars movie. You know, it's a fucking miracle she didn't just immediately, like, strip BB-8 for parts like when she first saw him. I was really <laughs> expecting her to just, like, pop his head off. I mean, she has the chance to sell him Because imagine you're you're six years old yeah. on a desert planet with some fucking uncarved plot looking ass motherfucker, and you're you basically become a scrapper for your whole life. Yeah. There's no way she has enough food to survive. She has to learn to be fucking cutthroat it's true. at, like, the age of 12. Absolutely. I want to see the cut where she just, like, BB he hates, like, rolling through the sand, and she just jumps off from on top of the ATST and just fucking whacks him with so Rise his head off and fucking... Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I, I, I guess it'd be funny to see the version where, where she meets BB-8, like, a few years earlier, or maybe she's a little less desperate Ray, for companionship. Ray's so fucking know. polite in, yeah. <laughs> in Force Awakens, <laughs> considering her upbringing. It's, it's funny. Um, the Force as a storytelling tool. Yeah. Luke Skywalker on Hoth, as he's like fucking Classic. going unconscious in the snow. There's the next quest. Instead of killing your player, uh, they're saved through the will of the force, and they also have a plot hook. Yep. Ben Bingo. tells them to go to Dagobah. You can also just kill your player if they're being. You could fucking. Oh, yeah. oh, listen. I don't think. Well, if I was Luke's DM, I don't think he deserves death at that point. It's not <laughs> like he did it out of. That's true. He wasn't being reckless. He was just yeah. out on patrol. You know, like it's it's not his fault. His ship crashed, yeah. and then he didn't have a, he didn't have a fucking tauntaun because the ship crashed. Oh no, no, you're getting the order mixed up. I'm getting the order Luke mixed was up. out on patrol. Went to go check out one of those meteorites that was an Imperial probe. He got wampered. Yeah, he just got, I think he got fucking nat 20 by the wampa. That's, yeah. that's not his fault. <laughs> <laughs> the wampa stat block's pretty cool. I mean, it's Is like it? very simple, but it's it's nice. Oh, we'll have to check it out sometime. Yeah. I've not seen it. Wampa build contest, cinnamon. And then <laughs> all wampa party. All wampa party. <laughs> it's like that mode in Battlefront 2. Yeah. Um,. Qui-Gon Jinn talks to Yoda while he's just fucking meditating in a tube. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, I love um, I love the few hints we get from Qui-Gon's voice throughout the series. Um, when Anakin is is killing the men, not just the, the men, but the women and the children, uh, we hear the, No, Anakin! No! <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah, you never did remember that. that. In yeah. that scene, you can hear fucking Liam Neeson going, No, Anakin! No! <laughs> Sounds just like that. When he takes the last bagel from the... <laughs> from the break room. Yeah, the... <laughs> oh, I want to see the Jedi Temple break room. <laughs> Jedi Temple break room. Yoda's just like crushed on the table, like eating shit. Uh... <laughs> Forgot to clean the microwave you have. <laughs> on thin fucking ice you are. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, the, I think the big point I want to drive home about Jedi temples in Star Wars is that they drive home a core element of Star Wars storytelling that should under no circumstances ever be forgotten. 
And that's mysticism. Yeah. Um, the, the mysticism is a big part of Star Wars, no matter how many Jedi you have in your party. Um, and that should be touched on. I, I, the Force is present in all living things. So the Force is present in your party, unless yeah. you're doing something crazy like the all droid one shot we all dream of. Alternatively, and those who are fans of Dr. Aphra will appreciate Jedi temples are also places full of loot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't really see that in... I guess in the main Star Wars canon, we usually focus on Jedi. We don't yeah. focus on the scr- the scrummy little uh, rat who's trying to get by in life. But from a certain point of view, a Jedi temple is a Archaeological major find. Yeah, a major <laughs> gold mine and profiteering opportunity. Uh, go full blown Indiana Jones with this. Literally, do do the giant ball thing like straight Absolutely. up. Um, there's vengeful spirits, force ghosts that are like, don't touch my special box. <laughs> um, you can adapt hazards as traps. An exposed plasma conduit becomes a flame trap a la Skyrim. I believe there is a, and there's a comic, it's a Clone Wars comic, mm-hmm. where a clone solves a puzzle for a temple by putting a Jedi's lightsaber in one of like the holes oh, where cool. like arrows and shit shoot out of, and it like yeah. unlocks the temple. It's a, it's just, you know. Things like that. Crazy shit like that. Absolutely. Uh, the trap room fills with an acid rain hazard or maybe gas grenades reflavored, you know. Make the party navigate puzzles and traps while avoiding the spooky assault of an incorporeal vengeful spirit. This episode's really about the the Force and, like, Jedi temples as sort of uh, plot points and storytelling tools. But just honorable mention, I'd like to say capital ships can be excellent uh, dungeons, oh, yeah. Qui Gon and uh, and Obi Wan escaping from the Separatists. Fantastic, and maybe a derelict uh, ancient starship from the old Republic era, in which maybe a Jedi tragically died, and their spirit is still tied to the vessel somehow. Great to introduce some of those fun space hazards. General Grievous's home is a great dungeon. It is. They, uh, we lost. We lose Kit Fisto's uh, apprentice. Oh, yeah, it's such a damn shame because he's kind of cool. He's a cool Moncala of Jedi that we yeah. don't really God, see. That, I forgot that episode is so cool and so tense. Yeah, perfect dungeon. Yeah, it's wild that Grievous just kind of like sulks in like a cave. You know, it's not that weird considering <laughs> Grievous. You know, yeah, this guy only fair. wants to fight and die. So it makes sense that his house would be this stupid, weird, bad maze of like droid parts and monsters. It's great. I love it, man. Yeah. So the, the other honorable mentions. We might have another episode about dungeons in the future. Yeah, I want to touch on Sith artifacts. And, Go for it. And poison. Oh well, no, I not now. Oh, in the future. Okay. Yeah, in the future. Yeah. Like, Sorry. Like, no, down the line we can talk about Sith artifacts, and also Knights of the Old Republic players will remember the the Sith temples on Korriban. Amazing temple. Amazing dungeons full of puzzles and monsters and creatures and stuff like that. MacGuffins are always yeah. great storytelling tools, especially the MacGuffins are strong in the Force. Of course. Thank you for listening to Dark Times Podcast. Uh, as always, you can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE, or you can email us, DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Uh, we got so many emails regarding our our build content, our build bounty, our Inquisitor yes, bounty. Most so entries ever. And, you know, as, as you heard at the beginning of the episode, Doug sent us that email regarding holding breath and unconsciousness. It's great. Um, if you have something you want us to talk about on the podcast or you want to share a cool story, check us out on there. Please do. We'd love to feature you. Uh, we do have the Patreon Steven and I have been working on stuff for our module. Uh, I've got some maps made for some encounters. Steven's, we've, we've, we're finalizing the rest of our level one uh, pre-builds. The party is finished. It's really cool. And if you want to check it out, they will be on the Patreon. Very nice.
uh, the the tryouts are finished, Stephen. Uh, who will be your Inquisitor? <laughs> uh, the Empire's next top Inquisitor. <laughs> oh man! Oh my God! <laughs> We've got our applications here. Just let me stack my papers on the desk here. Uh, let's 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 go into our submissions. All right. Uh, our first submission was from our good friend Iro. Thank you, Iro, for this build. I'll, I'll read off some words that Iro shared about this build. He's a core that does not like to use any kind of weapon. He is skilled in gathering information, and he can track down any suspect Jedi using mind probes slash trained knowledge slash far-seeing slash improved sense force during his investigations. Also, his ability to deceive his enemies help him in this activity. Yeah, so let's let's do a little, I, I wrote a little breakdown Yeah, here. break it down. Battle analysis, uh, DC-15 knowledge tactics check to see if enemies below half HP, and then you can use demand surrender to... Uh, demand surrender. Very, very cool. <laughs> very straightforward uh, uh, talent name. Absolutely. Uh, with a plus 19 persuasion. Uh, confusion. This is a native thing that Yarkora have. Oh. Uh, they're sort of like, uh, Wikipedia describes them as yak faces. Yak they're, faces? Yeah, that's what they're called. Huh. It's like a slur for them, I guess. Oh, man. I, geez, <laughs> yeah, they're like my Yarkora listening. <laughs> Confusion. Once per encounter is a standard action, Yarkora can make a deception check against the wall defense of a target with of all targets within six squares. If the deception check result equals or exceeds the target's will defense, that target does not threaten any squares until the end of the Arcora's next turn. The mind-affecting effect. Also, they can reroll deception, which is really cool. So I'm, I'm, cool. I'd say that you would allow that for the confusion standard action as well. 100%. Mind probe, drain knowledge, far-seeing, improved sense force. They can track down targets with far-seeing and sense force applications of use the force check. Mind probe and drain knowledge allow the character to interrogate an unconscious or surrendered target. Fear, move object, force grip, and memory walk to torment combatants from a safe distance. Where he, as he's mentioned, he prefers not to engage in combat. I, uh, I believe Arrow wrote something at the end of this, which we will include in the description with a stat block. He says that it's, it's something about Vader uh, being a little disappointed that he doesn't kill straight up stroke kill everybody. Oh yeah, but oh, he tolerates it because he gets results, which I think is really cool. That's cool. El Kopesh sent us a build. Uh, I will read this description out for you now. Very good. Born on the misty planet of Whippendale, James Biggles, or James Biggles? Uh, James Biggles always dreamt about taking to the skies, far above the clouds and rains of his homeworld. His dreams were destined to come true, as at the age of eight, he found out they can move objects just by looking at them. Soon after, the Inquisitorius took young Biggles in, and so his training began. James Biggles, now just Inquisitor Biggles, has learned quite a few skills in his new family, but he didn't forget his dreams. But instead of flying above the clouds in Whippendale, he flies far above any planet, ready to make a sudden and devastating attack against enemies of the Empire. I like this concept because it's it's not it's someone who sees the Empire from a different point of view. An uplifting, liberating point of view. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, that's great. I, I We do see this in canon as well. I think there's... Yeah. Plenty of characters like this. There's some Clone Wars episodes where they, or no, some Rebels episodes where they talk about how the Empire's like stopped pirates from attacking their fuel depots and stuff yeah. like that. James Biggles is a human Jedi Seven, Ace Pilot Two, Force Adept One. He's got Force Pilot, Vehicular Combat, Starship Tactics, Skill Focus, Use the Force, and I Have You Now. Plus eighteen to pilot, putting those Jedi skills to use. Swift action to damage the target, and you move them down a step on the condition track if it's greater than the target's fortitude defense. That's, the attack roll. Oh, the attack roll. Sorry. That's the I have you now starship maneuver. 
Got Force Persuasion, Adept Negotiator, and Silver Tongue, and when used in tandem, it's a plus 18 to Persuasion. Can roll Persuasion to move a combatant down one step on the condition track, and can intimidate and change attitude as a mere standard action. I like that um, you taking Force Persuasion and Force Pilot, that way you only have to train and use the Force instead of those other skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, nice. that's one of my favorite things that you can do with Jedi, is just load all the skills onto use the Force. They only get... Isn't it four plus their int, or is it four plus their? It int. might be less, but I, I, I think it's four plus their int. Yeah, it's just not a lot of skills. Power of the dark side plus Inquisition. That, that's plus one to hit and plus one die of damage to against force users. Also, reroll force points used against attacks, but gotta take another dark side point if you do that. Classic. If you're rolling a force point for an attack, you can reroll that force point in exchange for a dark side point. Which isn't it? Can't you just spend a dark side point to reroll? That's uh, like an alternative. Oh, it's an all rule. Okay. I think, yeah. So <laughs> this is a sort of in actual way to do that. Fear force power denies target's actions. We love the fear force power. And he gets bonus points for a snazzy aviator helmet. Yeah, he's got a cool aviator helmet, some goggles, and a snappy red jumpsuit. You gotta love it. Very Red Baron pizza style. I, absolutely. Yeah. Or just Red Baron. No. Uh, Marasaya Fell, uh, the one true princess of the one true empire, as we all know. Thank you for writing back in, your highness. Yeah, absolutely. We are humbled by your presence. Uh, uh, she says, I, Marasaya Fell, princess of the true empire, as I said, <laughs> offer you the, the aid of this specialized person. He should be far superior to any inquisitor of the Sith. I am more than a bit concerned about your recent focus on spice. No, that's fine. <laughs> the knight being sent is trained to detect those who use the force and then, if need, with or without killing them, defeat them. Perhaps by draining or even destroying the lightsaber of any Sith or Jedi who crosses the Empire, this man should be more than adequate for the quest you called for Aiden. Be warned, however, his loyalty is to the Fell Empire above all. This is Anzelkos, Imperial Knight. is a near-human soldier 1, Jedi 6, Imp Knight 2, and Force Adept 1. With Informer and Skill Focus, use the Force, as well as Force Perception. It's a plus 18 to use for Perception and Gather Information Checks. Gauge force potential on top of Brink of Death. That's a use the force check against will defense to find out how many force powers and force points a target has. Perfect for an Inquisitor type character. Brink of Death can bring enemies down to zero without killing them. Great for taking prisoners. Force stun and then the force technique improved force stun with force grip and drain energy. You know what it is, folks. Improved force stun moves the target down the condition track and immobilizes them for one round. Force grip to deny actions, drain energy to disable weapons? Question mark. I, that's what I'm getting from the email that, that they sent from the communique that she sent. Yeah, yes. <laughs> There's um, a, it's, oh, it ahead. says you drain a power pack. I assume. Oh, I, yeah, I don't that's... know. Oh, I, well, I don't know if it says power pack or energy cell. It says something. Look it up. Let's look it up really quick. Sorry. No, you're good. I would say this does definitely work for blasters, but lightsabers, I'm a little on the fence about. Yeah, we know that. Um, we know that lightsaber power packs are like explicitly special. They're, and they're, like if yeah. that was possible to do, I think more Jedi and Force users would be doing that. Yeah, the, the, they also apparently they don't use a lot of power because the cells last like almost indefinitely for yeah. lightsabers. You drain the energy from the power cells of a small or smaller sized powered object. You completely drain the object of energy, and it cannot function until its energy cells are replaced. And then the size of the object goes up the higher you roll. That's cool. That's really cool. Oh, yeah. so you could do it on like vehicles and shit. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Uh, the highest, uh, if you roll 35 or higher, it's a, you drain the power cells of a huge or smaller sized powered object. And if it's connected to a power generator, you drain all the power from the power generator instead. And you can spend a force point to increase the size. 
Awesome. I'll buy one size category. Uh, Unzelkos also has Praetoria, Vonil, and Inquisition. I think those are both talents, I believe. Yes. Plus one to attack and plus one die damage against four sensitive enemies. Praetoria, uh, Praetoria Vonil gives another die damage. Very cool. Uh, telekinetic stability. Whenever attacker effect would normally move you against your will, such as being targeted by Bantha Rush or moved by the Force Thrust force power, you can spend a force point to negate that movement, which I think is really cool. Very, very good. And here's good friend of the show, Lil Literalist. This Inquisitor is made of fear. He or she or it can taste it. They are one scary mofo and they know it. Not every villain needs context or a backstory. For this Inquisitor, they are reason enough to terrify the PCs. Or this could totally be a PC, you know, not going to discriminate. Uh, he didn't have a name for this build, so I've named it Fear Itself, Very which good. I think was, I got chills fucking doing it. Yeah. Uh, supposedly human, as far as I can tell from the stat block, Jedi 4, Noble 3, Force Adept 3. Classic. We got Force Shield, Intercept, and Negate Energy. I think this is sick. You can uh, gain, use a Force Check to gain uh, up to Shield Rating of 20, and then you can use a Force Check to negate a Range Check with Intercept. But if that fails, you can use a force check as a reaction to the damage to negate the damage dealt by an energy weapon. Very cool. I think that's so sick. Force track, mind trick, uh, force track, mind trick, <laughs> force track, mind trick, dark rage feats. Uh, you can roll to not need survival checks to track. Good to make up for those low Jedi skills. Dark rage gives a bonus to attack and damage rolls. Classic. Dark yep. rage is a classic. Yep. Force persuasion and adept negotiator, silver tongue, rant, and arrogant bluster. This is a absolutely like full persuasion intimidator build. You can intimidate to deny enemy move action and grant ally move action instead, which I think is great. Arrogant Bluster can allow persuasion checks to give enemies minus five to will defense. With a force point, you can make that last until the end of encounter. Oh, very nice. Which is really cool. Force interrogation and cower enemies can intimidate all targets in a six square cone as a free action after damaging with a force power. That's fucking insane. Very, very good. Last but not least is Yoshi Kensu's build. Uh, I'm saving the flavor text for the end here at, at his request. This is Baz, Bagul, and Gemi, a female human, Jedi 3, Scoundrel 1, Noble 1, Soldier 1, Scout 1, Force Adept 1, and Crime Lord 2. Gosh golly. It's great. She's got suppressed force to convince targets they've been cut off from the force, used to counter force points, block, deflect, and other force talents. Wow. Got Stimmy tacked on there to further suppress force use. Throw in force grip and we're just locking Jedi down. Drain knowledge to track Jedi across the galaxy. Oh, I like that. Use drain knowledge to see if the Jedi knows where other Jedi are. That's Absolutely. super cool. And then uh, adaptive talent, which I honestly did not expect to see here. Very clever use. So can swap out Stimmy for cower enemies and then use force grip and intimidate all enemies within a six square cone. Because of rant, all enemies lose their move action when intimidated. Immediately make a second persuasion check for master manipulator as well. But that's cool. I, I rarely see adaptable talent, like, used to its full potential. Yeah, this is, like, about the first time I've, I've we seen might, it. We might have, like, a super specific uh, bounty in the future regarding, like, using adaptable talent. That would be, <laughs> oh, that would be super. <laughs> now, let's read what Sue said. The best part of all this, though, is the fluff. How does this build look in the fiction? Baz, Bagul, and Gemi is an evil Imperial Inquisitor who uses dark side techniques and the more questionable aspects of mind trick to find her targets. In combat, she seizes enemies with a classic force power while ranting about her evil plans and mocking her puny foes. She is, in essence, the absolutely archetypal boss-type villain for a campaign. Note that if used in this manner, she should be provided with a decent number of stormtroopers or droids to command. Bazbagul is an absolute free pass to play up the hamminess, and for that reason drops neatly into any campaign that needs an arrogant and obviously evil Inquisitor. Sue also says, Star Wars has a lot of gray sometimes, but it can be refreshing to do something a little more black and white. Baz Bagul, who follows the classic villain archetype to a T, offers precisely that experience. 
really, really good build. I agree. I can't disagree more. Uh, folks, that was our build showcase this time around. Patrons, this there will be a poll up, what, like tonight? It's going to come up to uh, when the episode comes out. When yeah. the episode comes As the out. episode coming out, there will be a poll on there. Everyone, all patrons, uh, I think it's $5 and above, can get to yep. vote. Uh, uh, vote for which one you think was the best Inquisitor. By what criteria you judge them is up to you. Slam that vote down and we'll announce the winner next week. Yeah, Voting is open until 1159 Pacific Standard Time this Sunday. Uh, I think it's May the 2nd, I believe. That would be May the 1st. May the 1st, even. May the 1st be with you. May the- <laughs> Steven, it's that time again. Oh, really? You oh, really? my God. Well, you don't want to do it? No, I do. But, like, <laughs> my life's on the line here, Sam. Right? I'm a little nervous. Everyone's saying the last one was too easy. Like, they don't understand that literally I would die if I get it wrong. Yeah. It's, you know, we're not even getting to the hard ones yet. I haven't uh, even pulled out the Legacy Era. Oh, my God. <laughs> Surefire way to fucking kill me. All right. Do your worst. All right, Steven. Yes. We are looking at a CL6 stat block uh, from the Core Rulebook. A small second degree droid, non heroic two scoundrel six. You again, and I love for the rules for all, for the players. Yeah. Steven can buzz at any time with a question and then give an answer. Uh, I'm, if he gets if if he gets three incorrect guesses, he does die. <laughs> it doesn't have to be first try, but you have been getting it first try the last two times we've done this. I totally thought I had to get it first try. <laughs> scoundrel droid. At second degree. We have languages, basic, understand only, binary, Hatties, understand only, Mon Calamarian, understand only, and Shrewook, understand only. It's not R2-D2. Is that your guess? Yes. It's R2-D2. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, Steven! <laughs> I live another week. Scoundrel 6? Yeah, Scoundrel really? 6, wow, isn't I that would wild? not have guessed he's a scoundrel. That's kind of cute, though. He's a little rascal. <laughs> he's a little rascally guy. Uh, he does have the feats dodge, improved defenses, melee defense, mobility, point blank shot, <laughs> toughness. <laughs> I guess he does get knocked around quite a bit. I it's just I think it's a very cool stat block, uh, especially considering like the versatility of droid characters and yeah, droid absolutely. heroes. Uh, normally, you shouldn't be able to play a small droid, which is why this is an NPC only stat block. You can play a small droid. You can't play a large. Droid. Oh, you can't play a large droid. Yeah. Okay, yeah. This is just a great, I think it's a great stat block. CL6 is great. It's a good, you know, players can see R2-D2. He's very recognizable. He's iconic, you know? Yes, of course. If you use this in your games and it's gone well, I'd love to hear about it. Please do. Yeah. Same with any of our other stat blocks you mentioned. It was Bail Organa, uh, Hondo, Onaka, and R2-D2. Steven's used Bail Organa in the past. He's a great quest giver NPC just in general, right? I think he's used in Dawn of Defiance. Yeah, he's the quest giver in Dawn of Defiance for good reason, too. Thank you for listening to the Dark Times Podcast. The show is produced and edited by me, Sam. Steven is my co-host. As always, you can reach out to us on Twitter, DarkTimesSWSE. Email us, DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Find us on Patreon, Spotify, uh, Apple iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you review us and send it in, we will absolutely shout you out on the show. And all new patrons get a shout out on the show, as well as being able to vote in all current and future bounties and checking out all the cool stuff we have on there, including some maps and tokens I've made. Steven's got his hex crawl guide. All that fun stuff. Steven, you have a quote for us this week? I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. I think you've used that one already. Damn it, really? Uh, I'm pretty sure. I was afraid that I had. (laughs) You got one more? You got one more? Uh, You got one? I really have to poop. (laughs) Good night, everybody.
Oh, I really have to poop. <laughs> ben? Luke, you must shit on the Dagobah.